Well, good morning. I'm glad that you can tune in to uh, Kersey Community Church and trust that uh, you will have a great time of worship as we worship our Lord and Savior, probably in a little bit different way than we usually do, but we're glad that you're here. And let's just have a word of prayer as we begin today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, we just pray that you will just speak to us and we open our hearts up for what you have for us. And more than anything else, we just thank you for that tremendous salvation and the promise of eternal life. And again, we just give you our lives today in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're beginning a new study on the book of Philippians, but it's basically kind of talking about stress. How do we handle stress? And and this morning is an introduction, and I've kind of entitled it, Making the Best of Stress. And throughout the next few weeks, we'll be talking about how we deal with stress. But uh, in a minute, uh, on the screen, um, you're going, we're going to project a picture um, of two dolphins jumping out of the water. And it was a stress test developed by the American Institute of Stress. And the study at the Institute found that although most people see two identical dolphins, people who are under a lot of stress see something different. They don't see the two dolphins. So if you look at that picture, if you see more than two dolphins or you see only one dolphin and something different, you're probably stressed because you see stress is a part of life. The only ones who never have any stress are the ones that are buried six feet under. Surveys indicate that perceived stress is higher today than it had been over a few decades ago. College and university counseling centers report a spike in students having difficulty dealing with anxiety. Um, People are uh, self-medicating to to deal with some of the stress, whether it's in the form of alcohol or illegal drugs or whatever it might be. But then at the same time, not all stress is bad. Sometimes we are stressed in sports and we play up to our limits or we face a challenging task, or maybe it's helping people solve a problem. And in some ways, that can be a great experience for us. And then if we think about if your life was stress-free, your life might be a little boring or unfulfilling. However, when our stress level gets too high, it saps our strength from us, it overwhelms us, and sometimes stress is a symptom of maybe life has gone bad for us. Maybe there's unemployment, or maybe there's health issues that we're dealing with, or maybe there's a destructive relationship that we're going through, or some kind of injustice or conflict that has happened in our lives. Or even today, I think everybody in the world is is dealing with the stress of the coronavirus. In other times, sometimes stress exists maybe more in our minds than in our situations. It can be in the form of worry or fear or anxiety. The Apostle Paul knew a lot about stress. And if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if we start at verse 25 and we read through verse 29, he said, Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, 
in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? So notice that Paul's stress was not only physical, but his greatest stress was caused by his concern for other people. And maybe you can relate to that. I mean, if you think about it, being a parent or a grandparent, sometimes we anxiously ask, are the kids going to be okay? Now, in this series on stress, we'll be studying Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. And when he wrote this letter, he was in prison, probably in Rome, where he spent uh, the last two years of his life before he died. Now, at this time, he did not know whether he would be freed or whether he was going to be executed. And so you think of that uncertainty in itself would have been stressful. But in this letter, Paul seems more stressed about the future of the church at Philippi than his own future. The people at Philippi, the Christian people there, were living in a pagan culture. A lot of the Greeks and Romans looked at these Christians as being really strange people. And some of the religious Jews directly opposed them. And so we see that Paul himself had been imprisoned in Philippi. And, the, and the, one of the reasons was because he'd cast an evil spirit out of a young fortune-telling servant girl who was making money telling fortunes for her masters. Paul was charged with subverting the good order of the proud Roman city. Paul alludes to the stress of the Philippian Christians, that what they felt. If we look at our scripture, if you look at Philippians chapter 1, uh, verses 29 through 30, he talks about it. They also faced opposition from Jews who were pressuring them uh, to act a certain way. And Paul was pretty worked up that he says in chapter 3, verse 2, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. Now, a greater source of stress for Paul was inside the church of Philippi. In chapter 2, he addresses the selfish ambition and the vain conceit of some of the ones in the church. Chapter 4, he gets a little more specific, pleading with two women that they need to just get their act together. They need to be on the same page of what's going on. But then Paul had reason for the church, um, for concern for this church, because he did not want this church to lose its focus on Christ. Paul saw this church. This was a church he had planted. This was his baby. And he was worried that his baby was in danger. And with all of what was going on in Philippi, and then the personal circumstances that Paul was going through caused stress. So in this letter that he writes to the church at Philippi, it's a lesson for all of us on how to handle stress. It's a letter that is shaped by uh, a maturity in faith in Christ. It talks about the challenges 
of life, but also the spiritual growth. And so the first part of the the book of Philippians, he, he gives kind of a gentle approach. He encourages the Christians in Philippi to make the best of their stress. So now we're going to look at our passage this morning. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn to Philippians chapter 1. And I'm just going to read the first 11 verses to you. And here's what it says, starting in verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving and prayer. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So the question comes up, how can we make the best of stress? Now, I'm not asking you to say, how can I make stress good? Because sometimes stress is not good. But we want to know, how do we make the best of stress? In verses 9 through 11, Paul uh, tells us how he prays for good to come out of the stress that the Philippian Christians are feeling. The stress that they're dealing with. So what are some of the best outcomes of stress? Well, first of all, we can see that stress really uh, becomes a learning experience. There are some things in life that we can only learn by experience. Mark Twain said, A man who carries a cat by the tail learns something he can learn in no other way. So stress can help us understand ourselves and other people better. It's kind of like the wind blowing over a sand dune and it, and it kind of blows, revealing what is hidden underneath the sand. Stress might reveal anger or insecurity in our lives. It might, uh, it might be something that's irritable or something unethical in our lives or, or something that is very self-centered. Stress might expose unresolved issues from the past or unrecognized fears about the future, but it also might reveal some hidden beauty or hidden strength. So in verse 9, Paul speaks of a love that abounds in knowledge and depth of insight. You see, stress can teach us what love really is. I mean, think about the love of a parent for a child. You think about it, it's very simple when the baby first is here. The love becomes a little deeper when the parent is up at night with a sick child, becomes a little more stressful then, or becomes even more stressful when a parent is confronting a teenager who's rolling their eyes at him all the time, or maybe it's a teenager who gets home way past curfew, 
we look at love between a husband and wife is not really fully known until they deal with their first disagreement or they work through a sickness together or maybe they have to sit down and talk about their financial priorities. So in verse 10, Paul prays that they will discern what is best. So stress can help us clarify our values. Now, if we are being pulled in too many directions, if we are running all the time, sometimes it becomes an opportunity to decide what is most important. And maybe there's some things that we need to eliminate that is going on in our lives. Stress can teach us hard lessons about the value of honesty and truth. It can teach us that we can only rely on God, not our own abilities, not our own wealth or anything that we have going. Stress can teach us that we cannot control everything, especially other people. And ironically, Paul is not trying to lessen the stress here. He's gently urging them to get to the root of the problems in themselves and also the root of the problems in the church. And you know, when you do that, that can be very painful. And sometimes that itself can cause inner stress. But the end result is a deeper love, living more in harmony, having greater relationships, and having the joy of pleasing God. So when stress comes, and it's going to come, and you might have stress right now, we need to make it a learning experience. But along with that, we also need to make it a growing experience. If you look at verse 6, it describes the experience of every Christian. Verse 6 says, He, talking about God, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, we are continually growing in Christ. And when stress comes, we need to uh, try to grow through it. Because stress can challenge a superficial faith. For instance, you believe it's important to live by God's priority, and you learn to do that sometimes when you have to make difficult choices in your life. You believe in grace and truth, and you learn how to do that when you have to deal with a difficult person at work. You want to trust God, and you probably learn to trust God when the props are knocked away. You want to have strong moral values? Your values are going to become more clarified and strengthened when it costs you. But our faith can grow in stress. Another passage of Scripture the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I just want to read verses 8 and 9. It says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So you see, our character grows through stress. Just as if you're exercising and you're stressing your body, it's going to make you stronger. Sometimes the struggles in life that we go through are going to make us stronger as well. In Romans chapter 5, Paul gives his personal testimony and he says this, starting with verse 3. 
We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, if you talk to a Christian who's mature in their faith, and maybe they're very strong Christians, you will often find that their faith and character grew mostly when they were going through difficult times. We've got to make stress uh, a growing experience. So we learn from it and we grow from it. And then we also see that we can make stress a fruitful experience. So you're looking at going, well, how can stress be fruitful? Good question. Well, in verse 11, Paul prays that as they learn and grow, he says they will be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Righteousness rises to the top in times of stress. In an ethical dilemma or financial stress, righteousness bubbles up. In Psalm 15, verses 2 through 4, it describes a righteous person as this. It says, The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor, who keeps an oath even when it hurts. So in a conflict at work, or a conflict in a family, humility and grace and truth bear fruit. Forgiveness and insistence on doing what is right can change the whole environment. In times of stress in the world, when people are seeking their own protection and benefit, righteousness shines as compassion and justice for all. Because you see, when people see us as Christians and they see how we handle sickness or we handle loss with God's help, they take notice. That was true for Paul in prison. Look at verses 12 through 14 of Philippians chapter 1. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So if you think about Paul being in prison, Look at the palace guard. The palace guard had to be by his side all the time. And I don't think that palace guard ever went to church. I don't think that palace guard was reading uh, Paul's joyful Christian blog every morning. Instead, he was sitting with Paul. He was guarding him because Paul was under house arrest day after day. But that palace guard saw how Christ was in Paul's life and how Paul lived during this time of stress. Unbelievers are not too impressed by how we live when everything is going good. They are most likely to see Christ in us when we are going through hard times. Because those hard times, those hard things that we're going through, give us an opportunity to share Christ with other people. Now the Christians in Rome came to visit Paul. And they were so inspired by how he handled his imprisonment that they courageously went out and spread the gospel. And they did it without fear. They saw how Paul was handling things. His attitude and the pressure he was under encouraged them. 
So stress doesn't have to be bad. And even stress that arises from bad circumstances can be redeeming. So with Christ, we can learn, we can grow, and we can shine as lights in the darkness even when we're going through a stressful life. So next week, we're going to give a little bit more insight on how we're going to handle stress. This was just an introduction. But I trust that whatever stress you might be going through right now, realize that Christ is there to help you through it. And you're going to be able to grow and become fruitful as we give it all to Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, I just pray that as all of us face stress in our lives, and even in this time right now with all that's going on around the world and this coronavirus and all the just all the decisions and things that are taking place. Lord, I just pray that you will comfort those who are are really full of fear and anxiety right now. But Lord, as we look at this book over the next few weeks, I just pray that we can all be strengthened and that we can be courageous and we can be the ones that the world looks up to. So again, I just thank you for all that you're doing in our lives and working in each one of our lives. And we thank you again for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to thank everybody for spending some time in in God's Word today. And don't forget, we have uh, Wednesday night, uh, Pastor Scott has his Bible study online, and you don't want to miss that. They're doing some great stuff with uh, Sermon on the Mount. And so that's at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. And and hopefully uh, we'll give you some updates on what's happening with the new building. And and, uh, who knows, maybe there'll be an announcement or two or some surprises that we bring out in videos. Uh, So just keep... uh, Keep your ears and eyes tuned to what we're going to be doing. And again, thank you for joining us this morning.